The reading is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. It's the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of, his servants, one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Pam. Meg's going to come now and take our sermon. So if I put this on, is this one going? Is that okay? Thanks, Nicholas. Oh, well, it's lovely to be here. Uh, lots of familiar faces and some I don't know, so uh, uh, yeah, great to be with you. And what a story to be asked to speak about. It's just, well, I think it might be one of the best, isn't it? There's so much uh, truth in it for us at different stages of our lives. So I want to do two things. I want to talk about uh, the prodigal. And, and his experience and the welcome that he gets, this homecoming that he gets when 
when he turns from where he's been and been away from everyone. And then I want to turn it around and I want to think about us and how we can create a homecoming for people who arrive, are arriving either into our homes or into our churches. So, so, yeah, those two things seemed to me when I reread it to really jump out at me. So the first one, the obvious, Jesus, is, Jesus tells this story because he's being challenged because he's friends with the sinners, he's eating with sinners, and he tells this story to get it really straight, I believe, of what kind of God, he, God, what, what God is about, and he's laying out a bit of a manifesto to say, I am here for everyone. I am not here for those who are just getting it right. I'm absolutely here for everyone and for those who are getting it wrong. And I'm not going to be challenged on that. We're going to celebrate and have a relationship with each person. And it's, he wants us to just really grasp that. This moment when the prodigal son realizes he's clearly getting it wrong, he comes to his senses. I love that. He comes to his senses and realises he can return home, that that's going to be okay. And it's just so interesting, isn't it, those moments in our lives when we think, actually, I've got off track in a small way or in a big way, and I can do something about it. And I just paused for a moment myself thinking about this and thought, I just pray that I keep on throughout all my life having those moments when I look at myself and I think, that's not how I want to be. I'm going to make a shift. I'm going to make a change. And I'm going to go back to God. But I'm going to do that. This story for me is here to tell us that we absolutely can be secure. We don't need to feel anxious in any of that, but we can be secure about the welcome and the return that, we, that, that we'll get when we return. And then... I love the, the, I love the thought of him setting off. He's come to his senses, he sets off. And I love the plan he puts together in his head. This one of him having to be completely, you know, you're not going to treat Dad, I'm going to come back, but you're not going to treat me as a child. You're going, I'm going to be a servant. I will never get over this. I will never actually truly be forgiven. It won't really be okay, but I'll be a bit safer than I am where I, where, where I was. And I love the fact that when he gets back and he's, I, I, I have a picture in my head of him planning and replanning and stating and re, re, remaking his speech of apology. And then it's just put to one side. And Jesus is telling this story to be really clear to say, I actually truly mean this forgiveness thing. You are truly going to be forgiven. You're going to be reinstated. Am I not getting this right? And then there's the wonderful moment because he doesn't know, does he? He doesn't know that he's going to be accepted. He's hoping he'll be taken back in. But that absolutely glorious moment when he gets home, gets in sight, and he sees his father running towards him. And again, that's Jesus making this really clear statement to us all. That's how it's going to be for every single person. Um, and his suggestion is just swept away and his dad says we're going to celebrate quick bring the best food the ring the sandals let's have a feast to celebrate and the welcome you know that welcome you would have thought it was enough just to smile and say it's nice to have you back do you want to have some tea let's sit down let's have a chat let's talk it through but it's not that kind of welcome is it it's exuberant it's it's huge the hug the demonstration of complete love if I was that parent, I might have been thinking, well, is he just coming back because, you know, he wants a bit more money and he'll be off tomorrow? Will he be here for a week and then he'll be gone again? I'd be a bit suspicious, I think. 
I might be a bit cautious. I might be thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of things to unpick here. We need to have a really serious talk. But he, he doesn't do that. It's a different story. And God is really telling us, Jesus was telling that so deliberately. Um, when I was 17 and I'd just passed my driving test, I was allowed to borrow the family car. A uh, big Cortina estate went off. Uh, it was an estate, you know, where you've got your in those days not perhaps quite as strict with seatbelts and all the rest of it. I had quite a few friends in that car. can't quite remember how many there was, but definitely more than me plus four. And um, we were driving, hadn't been to a friend's house coming home, and the car broke down. It hadn't done any, actually hadn't done anything wrong, hadn't drunk, done, no, no, you don't need to worry. But anyway, <laughs> the thing was, the car broke down at Bingley traffic lights and uh, I was turning left. And I immediately thought, I must, it must be because I have too many people in this car, I must have done something wrong. And I remember ringing my dad. Um, and my dad's voice on the phone, he just said, oh, that's fine, just stay where you are, I'm coming. And he came, he took over and he sorted the car out. And... I, will, I haven't, my dad died when I was 36, but I have never forgotten that moment when I rung my dad and that moment when my dad came, that I wasn't in trouble, um, it was okay, and, and I was his child and he was there for me. I've never forgotten that, gotten that feeling, and I think that's the feeling God wants us to have from this story of, um, yeah, you're my child, I'm on your side, you haven't got it wrong, and... Um, and come and let's be close, let's be friends. So that's the first half of what I want to say, that for each of us, let's take those moments to just reflect, think, where do I want to be? Am I where I want to be in my relationship with God? And I can be so much closer. And I think this story speaks really into COVID, doesn't it? We've been separated from one another in all sorts of different ways. And then now we have this moment to be together with one another. So I want to turn now to the, the looking at the Father and what he does and how that could be us in church. It can be us in our homes. How do you create a sense of homecoming? How can we each do that? And this Father, I, I, this, he's just a role model. And there's just a few things. You'll have your own. But you'll have just a few things I want to uh, pull out of the story. But before that, I just want to say I'm, I'm a teacher uh, I've worked in a primary school over in Ollerton for a really long time, been in leadership sometimes, not, not currently um, there. But the community in Ollerton, it started to change. 2008, I was given leadership responsibility for being making sure we were a, a welcoming school to everyone. And what that meant was we needed to be a school that if you'd never left, if your family were from Ollerton, your parents were from Ollerton, your grandparents were from Ollerton, when you walked through our door... You needed to feel like you belonged and we cared about you and we were interested in you. But if your family, if you've been born in Manningham and you now lived in Allerton, or if you've been born in uh, Zimbabwe or in Eastern Europe or Pakistan, you needed to equally feel welcome. And we had to really think about that. How are we going to make sure everybody who's been here the whole time and everybody who's new all know that we're, they're all equal? And I think there's putting thought into that as a church about... How do we make sure people who've been here a long time and people who are new always, always feel welcome? I think the story speaks to that. So the father, a few things I think he's done. One of them is that he takes this immediate action. He doesn't go, right, well, in a week we'll have a celebration. <laughs> the, the, the child comes in and he's just on it. 
and he's making plans, getting other people involved. And I think that's pretty dramatic. And I th when I was thinking about this, I thought, I'm, I'm challenged by that. Do I respond quick enough? Do I have a great idea and then think, well, I'll get round to it? Often I do, but he, he, was, he wanted to make, I think he wanted to set the direction for everybody. And he did, didn't he? He created an ethos of like, he is welcome. The past is the past, he's back. And um, I think that's really interesting for us all that we can set a direction and other people will then flow with us in being that welcoming, forgiving um, person, that community. Um, they say that people never forget, like me and my dad, never forgetting that warmth and that kindness. They say they never forget how you feel, do they? How we make them feel. So it's that initial moment often sets the direction. And a bit like I'm saying at school, we had to think, okay, from the moment people come, when the child is three, how are we going to demonstrate to everybody that they're all welcome? Um, the second one is that he's warm. He's not fearful of being warm. Sometimes you can think, well, where's this going? A bit like I said, what's the motive of this child coming back through our door? Definitely money, maybe. Uh, he may be going to hurt me again, but he's warm and he's compassionate. And he doesn't allow that fear to stop that really positive emotion. And that leads to so much um, so much that's so great for the whole community. I think it's really interesting that he doesn't, um, in his, he, I've often wondered why he didn't get a message to his son rather than his son hearing about it from other people. But do you know what? He didn't show fear, did he? He just got on with the, with, um, the action. The other thing I like about this story, and again, this speaks to me, is that He'll have had to change his plans. If he's anything like me, his day will have been laid out. He'll have got something to do, somebody to see. And then his child, no, no phone, no expectation that the, that the child's coming back that day. But he puts his plans aside. And again, that makes me pause and think, okay, when things really matter, we have to sometimes let something go. Maybe let somebody else down because this is the thing that matters, that's, that counts. And... Um, the homecoming of this child was the one thing that mostly mattered for me, uh, for, for him that day, and to do that right was what really mattered. But to change our plans for priority and prioritise, I think that's something we're seeing here. And then another thing he does is that he calls the community to come and celebrate. For those of you who know the story well, it starts off with, the Pharisees are saying, are muttering because Jesus is sitting and eating a meal with somebody who's a sinner. And then Jesus does quick fire. I almost wonder if he was a bit cross, really. But he does a look. When somebody loses their sheep, they find the sheep, they put it on their shoulders, they go back and they say to the friends and neighbours, let's celebrate. Uh, we've got to celebrate. Come and rejoice with me. The woman who's lost her coin, Jesus says, she just goes out and gets friends and neighbours and says, come and let's celebrate. And then we have this child that's lost and the, the child is found. And Jesus says, let's, come, let's celebrate together. And I think that's also interesting because when you've had a trauma in your family, you can be keeping it quiet, can't you? You can be thinking, well, it's a bit embarrassing. Or you can be thinking, they've had sadness over there and they'll be hurt if I ask them to rejoice with me. But he doesn't, Jesus is saying something different. He says, let's be together in this. Let's celebrate together. 
even if tomorrow this sun is going off again, even if it's not, let's take this moment and celebrate together because let's not keep it quiet. Let's, 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 let's share it. Let's celebrate the good news. Let's get that good news of the love of God out uh, and, of, and, and of good things. And then, of course, the other part of the story, the dealing with the angry son. That's an interesting part of this story, too. The, the reliable, never-leaving, hard-working, not-had-a-glam-sounding escape, but so angry, so self-righteous. And what I like in the story is that the father doesn't kick off with him. He listens to him. He's got a point. Sometimes get a, gets a bad deal, doesn't he? But we get told the younger son. And yeah, of course, why was he so, you know, sort of self-centered and wrapped up? But he was. And, and the father pleads with him. He doesn't um, get angry back. And he just talks to him to try and get him over to his way of thinking. And that's interesting too, isn't it, for us? To take time with people when, they're in a, when they've got themselves in a hole to sort of plead with them and try to untangle their thinking. I think that, that's a model. He tries to help his son manage his anger. And yeah, of course, you could say justice would suggest something else. He's got a point. I was talking to um, my son, Alex, and he was saying, he's always thought it should have been a joint banquet. What was all this having a great banquet for one son? What about a joint family banquet? But the father's saying, no, there's moments for everybody. Um, in a, in a, my mum and dad's family, they had this... Um, they had this saying that, of course, it's absolutely true. We all have to know there's lots of pebbles on the beach. You're not the only pebble on the beach. You've got to think about everybody. But my, um, my dad's family had this little saying that he said that sometimes you just spot that somebody needs to be the only pebble on the beach. They actually need complete attention. And it's actually for a moment in a family unit or in a church. It is actually all about that person. Maybe there's a trauma or a bereavement or they've got a real challenge coming up and then everybody pitches in because it's that person's moment and this day it was the prodigal son's day but that's not to say that there haven't been many many days when it was everybody's uh, sorry it was the other son day he'd been there all that time and I love that phrase where it says it's compelling, isn't it, and winsome. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. That's incredibly important, that he's had this stability. Uh, Kate's come with me today, our oldest daughter, and she's seven years old, older than her younger daughter. Kate was coming and going, coming and going, and it was always great to have a home. But there was something special about, as well, about the child, our youngest child, who was there through that seven years between them. There were lots of times we shared. But when Kate came through the door, you know, it was to be welcomed. And that's, that's right. That's what this story's um, telling us. But the younger child needs re reassurance that they matter too. And that's what the father gives them. So, gosh, he's so wise. He's doing so much all at once, isn't he? He's got this banquet going on. He's got the younger child kicking off. He's going out. He's pleading with them. And the community are seeing all of that as well. I think that's interesting. You've got, you're not perfect. You're not trying to present perfection. Um, and he has these different conversations. He doesn't cave in, this father. He doesn't say, oh, you're right, let's cancel the, let's cancel the banquet. You know, I've, I've gone a bit over the top. He doesn't say, let's have a joint banquet. 
he carries on with that celebration of the older one, but he's there. He talks to both of the children. And God's saying to us, talk. It matters so much, doesn't it? Conversations, discipleship, helping people adjust their thinking. He's saying, this is how it is. Come over to my way of thinking. You don't need to be a servant. You're my son. Yes, we're having a celebration, but you've always been with me. So conversation, because he's listening. And Jesus would say to us, I'm listening to you. Tell me what you're thinking. And then I'll, let's have this dialogue so you come over to my way of thinking. And I, I'm sure it's an analogy a lot of us think, but um, the sat-nav, I love sat-navs. It's like you've gone wrong, but they just patiently start again, don't they? You are where you are, and let's direct you home. And I think that's these two, these two children. They are where they are, and the father is trying to direct them home. So just bringing those two things together, the first one, that there's a home for all of us, and then the second, that we're here to, yeah, we're here to create a home for anyone who walks through that gorgeous door at the back, anyone who walks towards us in our workplaces and um, in, our, in our homes, let's be those who seek to learn and grow and be more of that person, those, that community that can create a, well, a homecoming. But let's never forget that we need to be spotting where we, looking at ourselves and thinking, where do I need to go home to my father? Where am I drifting away? How can I be with him and close? And yeah, and just, just what an amazing father that we have, that he wants us to know that we're sinners, but that we're absolutely, he wants to be our friend. Uh, thanks. Thanks.